Hello, my name is Michael, and I obsess. I come across something that grabs me, and I consume until I can't take anymore, and then I'm on to the next. Some obsessions last a week, others a lifetime. It is my intention to explore these obsessions with you as they occur while the passion is hot. Welcome to Eclectic Obsessions. In 1985, I was an MTV addict. I was also addicted to British comedies. When MTV announced and began advertising for the broadcast of a British comedy series on their network, I was very intrigued. Within the first two minutes, I was hooked for life. It was the loudest, most obnoxious, most violent, and hilarious show I have ever experienced. Equaling Monty Python for surrealism and eclipsing any American comedies I had seen up to that point. We will be exploring the young ones on this episode of Eclectic Obsessions. The Young Ones is a British sitcom broadcast in the United Kingdom from 1982 to 1984 in two six part series. Shown on BBC Two, it featured anarchic, offbeat humor which helped bring alternative comedy to British television in the 1980s and made household names of its writers and performers. In 1985, it was shown on MTV, one of the first non-music television shows on the fledgling channel. In a 2004 poll, it ranked at number 31 in the BBC's list of Britain's best sitcoms. The main characters were four undergraduate students who were sharing a house during their time attending the fictional scumbag college. Aggressive punk medical student Vivian Bastard, played by Adrian Edmondson. Conceited wannabe anarchist sociology student Rick, played by Rick Mayall. Oppressed paranoid hippie peace study student Neil Whedon Watkins Pye, played by Nigel Planer and the suave, charming, would-be underground con man Mike the Cool Person, played by Christopher Ryan. It also featured Alexi Sale, who played multiple characters, including various members of the Belowski family, most often Jersey Belowski, the quartet's landlord. The series was written by Mayall, his then-girlfriend Lise Mayer, and Ben Elton, who had attended the University of Manchester with Mayall and Edmondson. Rick Mayall once opined that the characters in The Young Ones form the basis of a classic nuclear family, comprising Neil as the mother figure, Mike as the father figure, and Vivian and Rick as the children, Vivian the boy, and Rick the girl. When it was first broadcast, the show gained attention for its violent slapstick, which Edmondson and Mayall had been using in their act for some time. 
The show also featured surreal elements, such as puppets playing talking animals or objects. Confusion was added with lengthy cutaways with no relation to the main plot. Throughout the series, the fourth wall was frequently broken for comedic effect by all characters at various parts of the show. The wall was usually broken as either a punchline to a joke or to make a plot point more obvious. The show featured a wide variety of guest appearances by comedians, actors, and singers, including co-creator Ben Elton, Don French, Jennifer Saunders, Hale and Pace, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Mark Arden, Stephen Frost, Jules Holland, Mel Smith, Griff Rhys-Jones, Terry Jones, Chris Berry, Norman Lovett, Lenny Henry, David Rappaport, Robbie Coltrane, Tony Robinson, Andy De La Tour, and Emma Thompson. The series theme song featured the cast singing Cliff Richard in the Shadows UK number one song The Young Ones, the title song from the 1961 film of the same name. Throughout the series, there are many references to Richard, as Mail's character is a fan. The theme over the end credits was written by Peter Bruis, who also created the incidental music on many episodes. Eleven of the twelve episodes had a musical guest performing in the house or street. By including the groups, the show qualified as a variety rather than light entertainment by the BBC and was allocated a bigger budget than a sitcom. Groups that appeared included Dexy's Midnight Runners, Motorhead, The Damned, and Madness, who appeared in two episodes. The one episode that featured no musical act still fulfilled the variety criteria by including a lion tamer whose presence also directly contributed to the plot. Mike the Cool Person, played by Christopher Ryan, is the assumed leader of the group. Mike is supposedly the ladies' man and often brags of his prowess with women, although he is shown to share his bed with an inflatable sex doll and practically admitted his virginity to the others in the episode Nasty. Mike is a con artist. He always has some kind of plan to make quick money, such as renting out Rick's bedroom as a roller disco and taking bids for the unexploded atomic bomb that fell into the house. Mike attends Scumbag College only nominally, as he has blackmailed his tutor and the dean of the school for grants and successful grades. While Mike often does things at the expense of, or to the detriment of, his housemates, he rarely expresses the sort of open hostility that Rick and Vivian do, and seems to cause his housemates trouble only when it benefits him, rather than out of sadistic joy. Rick, played by Rick Mayall, is a self-proclaimed anarchist who is studying sociology and domestic sciences. Rick styles himself the people's poet, believing that he is the spokesperson for a generation. He is in fact a hypocritical, tantrum-throwing, attention-seeking diva, or as Vivian describes him, the classic example of an only child. He insults Neil at every opportunity, picks fights with Vivian, and attempts to impress Mike. He is portrayed as being so self-absorbed that he believes he is the most popular member of the flat, despite being disliked by virtually everyone he knows. Rick exaggerates or lies about his political activism and class background, which is exposed in the final episode, Summer Holiday, when it is suggested that he comes from a well-off family with conservative beliefs. He is a closet transvestite, as during the episode Nasty, Neil finds a dress in Rick's wardrobe with his name stitched in it. In the episode Cash, Rick admits to Mike that he is unable to tell the time, a trait that he shares with Vivian. 
Vivian Bastard, played by Adrian Edmondson, is often referred to as Viv. He is a psychopathic, sociopathic, sadistic, misanthropic, punk medical student. He has spiked red hair and four metal stars embedded into his forehead. He is extremely violent and regularly attacks Neil and Rick. For some reason, he looks up to Mike, whom he often addresses as Michael. He despises Rick more than he does Neil. This antagonistic relationship between Rick and Vivian makes them virtually inseparable, as the two spend far more time together fighting than with the other housemates. Vivian occasionally displays feats of superhuman strength and resilience, such as surviving a pickaxe through his head, moving entire walls with his bare hands, lifting Neil above his head in a fight with Rick, biting through a brick, using dynamite to try and cure his hangover, and even being decapitated and reattaching his own head. He eats just about anything from televisions and dead rats to caviar and cornflakes with ketchup. Neil Pye, played by Nigel Planer, is a morose pacifist vegetarian hippie working towards a peace studies degree. He is frequently victimized by the other housemates and forced to do the housework, shopping, cleaning, and cooking. Neil is a pessimist and believes everyone and everything hates him, although he does have three hippie friends, one also named Neil, one named Warlock, and a female hippie named Stonehenge. He dislikes most forms of technology, except for televisions and video recorders. He avoids sleep, believing that it causes cancer. Neil wants the others to feel sorry for him, or to just acknowledge his presence. He claims, the most interesting thing that ever happens to me is sneezing. On only one occasion has Neil shown any form of aggression. This was when Rick insulted Neil's flared trousers. He also seemed to enjoy hitting people with his truncheon when he became a police officer. The Belowski family, all played by Alexi Sale, routinely appeared interjecting material into the program. The flat's landlord, Jertsey Jeremy Belowski, was the only character that appeared three times. The rest included nephew, Alexei Yuri Gergerin, Siege of Stalingrad, Glorious Five-Year Plan, Sputnik Tractor, Moscow Dynamo, Back 4 Belowski, a protest singer, son Reggie Belowski, an international arms dealer, brother Billy Belowski, a lunatic who believed he was a taxi driver, cousin Tommy Belowski, a drunk, escaped convict Brian Damage Belowski, and a medieval jester, Jester Belowski. In the second series, Sale's characters also included a train driver, a Benito Mussolini look-alike, by day the head of the local police force, by night an entrant in the Eurovision Song Contest, Harry the Bastard, manager of the local Rumbelow's electrical goods store, disguised as a South African vampire, and very briefly in an aside sketch that deliberately bore no relevance to the plot, a man in a bowler hat asking if he was in a cheese shop. Hello, uh, this is a trailer for the young ones. Hi, I'm Neil, and I'm one of the young ones. We're going to be coming on your screens very soon with lots of bands and laughter and fun. Let me introduce you to some of my wacky pals. This is Vivian. And Mike. And this is Rick. Right. 
That's it, Neil. I said ten seconds. The Young Ones, a new comedy series for the autumn, next Tuesday at nine o'clock on BBC Two. Demolition. Demolition is the premiere episode for British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayall, and Lisa Mayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on November 9, 1982. The students go about their day-to-day life, which includes a lentil casserole made with washing powder, and one of several of Neil's suicide attempts. Vivian acquires an amputated human leg from the morgue on which he has to write an essay for anatomy class, although he would prefer to mount it on the hood of his car. He later announces that they had received a letter from the council, who are planning to demolish their house the next day. Each character has their own plan to fight the council's decision. Rick plans a protest involving hanging himself from a cross on the front of the house. Vivian begins knocking down the house himself. Neil has planned to hang himself, but his rope is too long and he can't do it. He later plans to hide in the wall cavity and pretend to be thermal insulation so that he will be killed when the house is knocked down. And Mike tries to seduce the female council representative. None of their schemes work, as an airplane ultimately crashes on their house instead. The musical interlude for this episode was provided by the band Nine Below Zero. Positive action. Hey, Rick, man, what are you doing with my crucifix, man? Fantastic. Yeah, look, I really think I should lay this one on you, man. That's a really negative way to kill yourself, you know. Like I've tried it hundreds of times. There's no way you can hammer in the last nail. Are you the least hurt of these premises? Ah, oh, uh, I'm being hassled in the street by a chick. Paranoid, man. Stop making him paranoid, you slag! <laughs> Maybe just once I'd like to keep the lentils off the floor. So who turns on your bulb in the wee small hours? I'm sorry. If the world's an egg, Border Collie, this kid's the lion stamped on the side. Thank you. Now what I really need is your rent book. You know the French for duvet? I'm talking about 100% cotton. Mm. I'd like to find your duck now stuck to the soap. Uh, that's enough. Now, what I really Open now, surgery. Feel my scalpel. You ever done it on a beanbag? Baby, I do it inside beanbags. All right. Don't worry, lads. These bastards aren't going away with this. Oil. Oil is the second episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayall, and Lisa Mayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on November 16, 1982. 
The guys settle into their new house after the destruction of their previous home. As Rick and Vivian argue over one bedroom, Mike discovers a man resembling Buddy Holly in his, having survived the plane crash by parachuting out and smashing through the roof. Mike dreams of getting rich off the discovery, but his plan ends abruptly when the man falls loose and hits the floor, breaking his neck. Rick and Vivian give the room they have been arguing over to Neil after Vivian sets its bed on fire, and Mike briefly converts Rick's room into a roller disco and charges him admission to enter. Vivian announces that he has struck oil in the cellar and instantly forms a coalition with Mike, whom Vivian calls El Presidente, to extract and sell it. They decide to use Rick and Neil as slave labor, with Vivian enforcing discipline by beating the two with a cricket bat as they lie on the floor. Rick tries to start a workers' revolution and organizes a benefit concert in the house. The effort fails, though, as the band, fronted by Alexei Sale and his Belowski persona, demands a large fee and Rick has not bothered to sell any tickets. During the end credits, a disoriented but conscious Vivian addresses the camera, saying that he lied about finding oil. The episode featured a performance from electronic band Radical Posture, with Sale as their singer, Alexei Belowski, singing Dr. Martin's Boots. Alright. Alright, house meeting, okay? This is a house meeting, Neil! Well, that's what I'm saying. Is it? <laughs> Welcome, Vivian, then. Then date. We're only here one time because you kept me awake all night, pacing up and down and ringing bells. Listen, man, sleep gives you cancer. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Listen, Neil, do you know the difference between you and some number twos? <laughs> Nothing! <laughs> here they are, old President Day! Southern inspired insurgents! I'll teach you to try and assassinate the President! El President Day! What the bloody heck is going on? Shut the face, traitor! Ah, missed both my legs! Shut up! Who's been sticking chewing gum on the floor? Silence! Silence! Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you could all make it, because if you hadn't done, you wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be here. Now, what were you doing in the broom cupboard? Good question! Uh, oh, yeah. Um, we were having a house meeting, actually, yeah. Impossible. Impossible! <laughs> because Colonel Vivian and myself held a house meeting a quarter of an hour ago upstairs. And I'm afraid to say that under the new regulations, non-attendance at house meetings is punishable by death. Ha-ha-ha, <laughs> death! <laughs> I would like to overlook this, but unfortunately, you do seem to be responsible for certain other criminal activity. Ha-ha! Namely, loitering with intent. Good one. Conspiring in the broom cupboard. Brilliant. And damaging police equipment. <laughs> However, I, El Presidente... Viva El Presidente! I'm prepared to offer a free amnesty if you behave like good citizens and go down to the oil fields in the cellar and dig up all the oil. You fascist hunter! <laughs> Boring. Boring is the third episode of The Young Ones, a British sitcom. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mail, and Lee Smayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on November 23, 1982. The quartet are bored to exasperation, despite the fact that there are roller skating vegetables in the kitchen sink. 
Several other remarkable and unlikely phenomena occur around them throughout the episode, entirely unnoticed by the characters as they attempt to find something to relieve their boredom. Even a televised siege that spills into their living room goes unnoticed. A visit to the local pub where Vivian meets his long-lost mother, played by Pauline Melville, fails to provide entertainment. Madness make an appearance at the pub and perform their hit House of Fun. At one point, Neil suggests they go to lectures, but the idea is met with incredulity by his housemates. David Rappaport appears in the episode playing Fatumsh the Devil. Alexei Sale stars as Billy Belowski, an eccentric taxi driver and brother of the student's landlord, Jersey. As they drift off to sleep for another night, a spaceship lands on their roof, with Neil still obliviously sitting on his windowsill. Ah, what would you like, Rick? Coffee, please, Vivian. This is a this is a pub. They don't do coffee. Oh, in that case, I don't particularly want anything, thank you. I don't think it's very clever or smart to drink, actually. I want to stay controlled. Mike! Water, Vivian, in a straight glass. Uh-huh. Uh, Neil? Uh, oh, just a bag of crisps, please, Viv, but uh, not meat-flavoured, because I don't abuse my body in the world I live in. <laughs> OK, I want a pint of water in a straight glass, uh, a bag of roast ox crisps, and uh, mine's a baby sham. <laughs> hello, Vivian. Oh, hello, Mum. Yeah, yeah. How's Dad? Oh, honestly, Vivian, I do wish you wouldn't ask me that. You know I've absolutely no idea who he is. Well, Vivian, you never told us your mother was a bartender. Well, she was a shoplifter when I knew her. <laughs> she doesn't look strong enough. Hey? To lift shops. That'll be £28.50, Vivian. I've only got a fiver. I'll have the ring and the watch. <laughs> well, did you get to introduce me to your friends? Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a friend of mine called Mike. Uh, this is a friend of mine called Neil. Hello. And that's a complete bastard I know called Rick. <laughs> Yeah. He's just joshing, Mrs. Vivian. We're actually terrific friends. <laughs> Ooh, uh, he is a bastard, isn't he? <laughs> Tell me, Mrs. Vivian, why did you give him a girl's name? <laughs> Bomb. Bomb is the fourth episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayle, and Lisa Mayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on November 30th, 1982. The episode opens with footage of a flying bomber dropping a payload, revealed to be a huge red atom bomb that lands into the quartet's house unexploded. Mike tries negotiating with Lydia in an attempt to make a profit out of the bomb, while Rick attempts to make threats to the British government. Neil sets out his personal survival plan. I'm going to consult the incredibly helpful Protect and Survive manual, and Vivian tries to speed up the detonation procedure. The final tick of the clock prior to explosion proves to be a little disappointing, with the bomb hatching like an egg and a small airplane emerging out of the bomb, flying around the room and circling outside the house. 
Alexei Sale starred as Reggie Belowski, a wisecracking used car dealer and son of a student's landlord, Jersey. Roger Sloman appeared as the television license officer named Right Bleeding Bastard. This episode features a performance from Dexy's Midnight Runners, performing a cover of Van Morrison's Jackie Wilson said, I'm in heaven when you smile. I'm going to form a new union society, right, with me as president. People who don't pay their TV licenses against the Nazis! <laughs> That'll be the front doorbell ringing. I bet I know who's got to answer it. But Neil, you like meeting people. <laughs> If I had a penny for every time I had to answer the door, I'd have £5.63. <laughs> it's probably someone unbelievably boring. Oh, no! It's the TV detector man! <laughs> Why, you bastard! Why didn't you buy a licence? I can't go to prison! I'm too pretty! I'll get raped! Yes, steady on. <laughs> I'm not beaten yet. The time has come for diplomacy. Oh, no, look, he's asked me if we've got a telly. I don't know what to... Uh, I think I'm going to have to lie. <laughs> what a bummer! Right, the time for diplomacy is over. This is a very tricky spot. But, Mike, the cool person will squeeze it. Rick, stop crying. I'm not crying. I've just got something in my eye. That's... <laughs> Fifth. Eat the telly. <laughs> that's a completely brilliant idea, Mike. I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> Right, where's this telly? The old trick, eh? Eat the telly before I get a chance to nick you. It's a toaster? <laughs> it's a telly, you yobbo! Give it back, I want to nick you! Oh, Mr. Bastard, Mr. Bastard, okay. Now, toaster or telly, the contents of my colleague's stomach are private property, and if they get damaged in any way, we sue. Well, I can wait. I've dealt with your sort before. <laughs> when that telly comes out the other end, <laughs> you're nicked. Interesting. Interesting is the fifth episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayle, and Lise Mayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first broadcast on BBC Two on December 7th, 1982. It is an important evening ahead as the quartet hosts their first house party for their trendy student friends. After initial problems with Vivian's car engine-powered vacuum cleaner, which sweeps up a morose hippie friend of Neil's, also called Neil, and an unexpected visit from an eager Christian, later crushed by a giant sandwich falling out of the sky. The party gets underway in style, but soon turns riotous, with many uninvited guests arriving from the pub. Neil is beaten up, only to awaken in his bed, believing the whole episode was a dream. At the end, however, party noises cause Neil to realize that this is the dream, as he wakes up back at the party mid-beating. Alexei Sale starred as Tommy Belowski, aggressive drunkard and cousin of the student's landlord, Jersey. Jennifer Saunders guest stars as a party guest. Don French guest stars as the Christian. Mark Arden and Stephen Frost also appear as would-be party crashers, and Nicholas Ball plays Dr. Jim Morrison, Rick's sociology lecturer, who attends the party. This episode features a guest appearance of the band Rip, Rig, and Panic, performing You're My Kind of Climate. I told you that 
camp from the Archangel Gabriel. Yes, he with wings of driven snow and eyes of flame. I bring good news for mankind. Yes, well, I'm afraid I... you've got the wrong house. I don't believe in God. Well, then how do you know his name, smart-ass? <laughs> <laughs> repent! Everyone repent, except Jesus. I don't mean everyone except Jesus repent. I mean accept Jesus into your life and repent at the same time. <laughs> Have you said yes, hippie? Uh, oh, well, I do a lot of yoga. Come, brother, let us pray together. Uh, oh. <laughs> Look, do you mind going? I mean, I expect if we wanted you to come in, we might have said something like, Oh, hi, Christian, why didn't you come in? But well, we didn't, did we? So why don't you just take a running jump at yourself in a lake? No, thank you. I'm going to sit right down here until we've all been saved. Repent for the day of judgment is mine! Day of judgment? What, do I get a prize? Ha! A locust. No, I'm supposed to be an ant. Repent! Repent! Yeah, all right, all right, I repent. Now about you and me and the Holy Ghost going upstairs for a closer look at those moral understates, eh? Oh. This should get things going. <laughs> Behold the beast. Hello. <laughs> now is the worrying time. Yes, it is right. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Behold Armageddon. a medium-sized group of people running around madly, waving their hands and shrieking. Twelve-score oxen have spent over a year in the same field. <laughs> well, that's just typical. Five minutes to go to the most important party of my life and half the house has been wrecked by a gigantic sandwich. <laughs> Well, at least it means there'll be something to eat now. <laughs> Flood. Flood is the sixth episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayle, and Lee Smayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on December 14, 1982, and was the final episode of the first series. With none of the quartet noticing a medieval execution in their back garden, there is initial tranquility in the house, with Neil randomly hitting himself in the face with a frying pan, and Vivian reading one of Rick's war comics. After Neil prepares to go on a shopping trip, Vivian mentions that he has concocted a homicidal axe-wielding maniac potion, disguised in a Coca-Cola can as a cure for not being a homicidal axe-wielding maniac. Torrential rain soon traps everyone in the house, and a game of hide-and-seek gets underway to pass the time. The house takes on a Narnia-esque feel, with a lion tamer in Mike's bedroom, and Vivian finding a witch in a sleigh lurking in a new world at the back of the wardrobe where he was hiding. But all that becomes irrelevant as Mr. Belowski arrives, unwittingly drinks Vivian's potion, and goes on the hunt. He breaks down the door to Neil's room with an axe, leading to the group trying to escape him. After tricking Mr. Belowski into entering Mike's room, which was being rented out to Bobby the Lion Tamer and his man-eating lions, the group notice the floodwaters are subsiding. The episode ends by showing Vivian's hamster, SPG, or Special Patrol Group, floating on a discarded can in the receding water. 
The episode also features their landlord, Jerzy Belowski, a character who is appearing for the second time during the first series, and would appear once more in total. You want to know why I keep hitting myself in the head with a frying pan, don't you, Mike? No, I don't. Oh. Where's my breakfast? Yeah, where's the bloody vindaloo, hippie? You said you'd go to the shops two hours ago. Oh, come on, guys. It's always my turn to go to the shops. So why haven't you gone? Well, it's raining. My hair will lose its shape. <laughs> anyway, I haven't got any money. OK, guys. What do we need? Neil, you know exactly what I need, cos all my stuff is marked with sticky labels. Wait a minute. Is yours the stuff with the sticky labels with Rick written on it? Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm very sorry, Rick. I didn't know. I thought it was mine and I've eaten it every last bit. Look, guys, I know exactly whose who's food's who, right? Cos I do all the shopping round here. And I do all the cleaning. My function round here might as well be your mother's. We don't, we don't hate our mothers. All right, so most metaphors don't bear close examination. Anyway, for example, this glob of green mould on a saucer is Rick's. Yes, and I've spat on that, Vivian, so I wouldn't advise you eat it. <laughs> the urine sample and the super moose are Viv's. Yeah, yeah, my potion. My potion as well. What potion? It's a potion I've invented where, when the patient drinks it, he turns into an axe-wielding homicidal maniac. It's basically a cure. For not being an axe-wielding homicidal maniac. <laughs> the potential market's enormous. Well, is this it? Yeah, yeah, I put it in a Coke can so nobody'd drink it by mistake. <laughs> you know, I just bet a bit later on somebody does drink that and turns into an axe-wielding homicidal maniac. <laughs> yes, I bet that as well. That's just the sort of crazy imaginative thing that happens around here, isn't it? <laughs> Music! Bambi. Bambi is the seventh episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayle, and Lise Mayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was broadcast on BBC Two on May 8, 1984, as the first episode of the show's second series. An upset Neil bursts into the house and describes an encounter in which a complete stranger called him Smelly. Mike realizes that none of the four have washed any laundry since October 1981. One of Vivian's dirty socks comes to life and tries to escape the house. After they destroy it, Mike insists that they visit the local laundrette immediately, but they have to wait until it opens in the morning. After a night's sleep, the four rush downstairs, briefly adopting one another's personas and clothing, and set out for the laundrette, only to find that none of the washing machines will accept their clothing. Once they return to the house, Neil suddenly remembers that they have been invited to represent Scumbag College on University Challenge that evening. Still wearing their dirty clothes, they rush to catch a train as Motorhead plays Ace of Spades in the living room. Scumbag is pitted against the incredibly wealthy Footlights College team from Oxbridge, to whom the host, Bambi, shows blatant favoritism by accepting wrong answers and bribes. Enraged at not receiving easier questions, Vivian blows up the entire Footlights team with a World War II-era German stick grenade. A trick question fools Rick into admitting that he cheated by swapping the question cards, causing the audience to boo and throw things at the team until a giant eclair falls from above and squashes them. 
The eclair belongs to a medical doctor, played by Ravi Coltrane, who has been observing the events of the episode as a bacterial culture under his microscope. He feeds the eclair to an elephant, Jumbo, who is supposedly a horribly disfigured man. The title character Bambi was portrayed by Griff Reese Jones, while his comedy partner Mel Smith has a cameo as a security guard. The Footlights College Oxbridge team comprises Lord Monty, played by Hugh Laurie, Lord Snot, played by Stephen Fry, Miss Money Sterling, played by Emma Thompson, and Kendall Mintcake, played by Ben Elton. Alexi Sale appears as a train conductor. Ravi Coltrane portrays Dr. Carlyle, who's been observing the episode under a microscope. Tony Robinson portrays Dr. Not the Nine O'Clock News, who brings in the elephant. Guys! Guys! Listen, I've got something amazing to tell you. Answer the phone, Neil. What? <laughs> Answer the phone! Oh, yeah, right. Oh, floppy disks. <laughs> anyway, look, never mind that. No, what do you mean, I'm never just... mind? What do you mean, never mind? That might have been a very important call, Neil. <laughs> God, you're a complete teacup, aren't you? Margaret. What? Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, guys. No, no, Neil, you listen. I've been waiting here half an hour. Half a bloody hour, Neil. Being hungry, waiting for my tea and listening to that bogey bum. <laughs> oh, well, that's my fault, is it? Oh, yeah, it's always my fault. Why didn't you cook your own tea, Vivian? Because I do not cook the tea, Neil. You do. That's what we agreed when we first came. You do the cooking, I'll look after the plants and the goldfish. Yeah. And what did you make me cook on that first day? Uh, sausages. It was a Tuesday. Yeah. Sausages and... Sausages and plants and goldfish. <laughs> I've discharged my responsibilities, Neil. Now you discharge yours. Hey, Mike, that sounds like a cue for a really dirty joke, doesn't it? Shut up, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> What's this, Neil? Leftovers. <laughs> Neil, I hate you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Pick on me. I mean, I've already had personality hassles from a complete stranger today. Hey, there's a dead rat in there. Great! <laughs> yeah, this complete stranger came up to me, right, and called me Smelly. This complete stranger shouted Smelly at me. I wouldn't have minded, but he was a hundred yards away. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys, you can tell me, truthfully, do I smell? Yes. I mean, come on, guys, I can handle it. You can tell me. Do I smell? What do you mean, yes? <laughs> we mean, yes, you smell. Smelly. <laughs> Great. Cash. Cash is the eighth episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayle, and Lee Smayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on May 15, 1984. The quartet are so poor that they are burning their clothes and belongings just to keep warm. Eventually, they decide that someone needs to get a job to bring money into the house, but when the only vacancy advertised in the local paper is for the army, Rick and Mike both rule themselves out on medical grounds, while Vivian declares that he is pregnant, leaving Neil the only one to take the job. After a poor haircut and a quick loan of Mike's suit, Neil goes to join up, but is rejected for being a pacifist. 
After spotting a recruitment poster for the police, the other three throw Neil into the police station. While the others get lucky when a truck full of food and expensive furnishings crashes through their front window, Neil takes to his new job, arresting a bunch of his drugged-up hippie friends. Arriving home, Neil tries to arrest his flatmates, assuming they have stolen the luxury items. His harsh use of the baton forces Vivian into labor. Mike leaves the room, being afraid of the sight of childbirth. Instead, Vivian actually ends up passing wind loudly. Having been handcuffed together with Vivian, Rick and Neil frantically try to escape the smell, but Neil is unable to find the key. Unaware, Mike comes back in and tries to light a celebratory cigar. The flame reacts with the gas, causing the house to explode. Alexi Sale starred as Benito Mussolini, cabaret act and police recruitment officer. DJ Alan Freeman plays God, sitting at a radio mixing desk. The episode features a performance from Ken Bishop's Nice 12, a one-off conglomerate of high-profile rock musicians and theme writers, including Jules Holland, Simon Brent, Stuart Copeland, and Chris Difford, performing Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan. Guys, I think I've solved our money problem. I'm writing to my bank manager. See what you think, okay? Dear bank manager, yeah? Well, that's it. <laughs> I'm quite pleased with it so far, though. Oh, well, it's a strong opening, certainly. I don't like the dare. Sounds a bit too much like, will you go to bed with me? <laughs> well, spotted, Vivian. Uh, what do you think instead? Oh, what about darling? Uh, uh, <laughs> darling bank manager. No, 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 no. Not bank manager. It's far too crawly bum lick. Tell it like it is. Put fascist bully boy. <laughs> Darling fascist bully boy. That's nice, yeah. So far, so good. So what do you want to say? Well, basically, I want to ask him if I can have, like, an extension on my overdraft. But I know there must be a better way of putting it than that. <laughs> well, what about, uh, give me some more money? Right. You, you bastard! <laughs> Don't you think that's a bit strong? Ah, uh, Neil, people like that respect strength. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Darling fascist bully boy... Give me some more money, you bastard. Uh, love Neil. Love Neil? That sounds far too much like, come and get it like a bitch funky sex machine. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, what about yours sincerely? Oh, come off it, Neil. If you're going to be that sycophantic, why don't you go around there now and stick your tongue straight down the back of his trousers? <laughs> Why not, why not put Boom Shankar? Ah, that's hard to tell, Neil. What does it mean? It means, may the seed of your loin be fruitful in the belly of your woman. Ah-ha! <laughs> uh -huh. And what makes you think your bank manager's a man? His beard. He'll never understand Boom Shankar. You'll have to write the whole thing out. Right, OK, here we go. Darling fascist bully boy, give me some more money, you bastard. May the seed of your loin be fruitful in the belly of your woman. Neil. Well, if that doesn't work, I don't know what will. Nasty. Nasty is the ninth episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayle, and Lise Mayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on May 29, 1984. The episode begins with a man playing chess against death. 
The horror movie-themed opening credits are followed by Mike, Rick, Vivian, and Neil carrying a coffin through a local cemetery. After encountering a drunken vicar and two gravediggers, the episode then takes a flashback to events leading up to the burial. It is bath night, and while Neil jumps into the muddy bathwater used in the three others' previous baths, Mike and Vivian spend the time trying to set up the new video recorder they have rented in order to watch a video nasty. A scene-stealing postman then arrives to deliver a human-shaped package from the Transvaal. Neil briefly gets the video machine to work by plugging it in, but suffers a sustained electric shock in the process, and the group is shown a commercial for a women's pain reliever set in hell. After the video stops working once again, the package delivered earlier has opened. This turns out to be a vampire, who claims he is really just a driving instructor from Johannesburg. When the four realize that vampires only attack virgins, it leads to them all unconvincingly denying their sexual purity. But when the vampire returns downstairs, he is hit by sunlight streaming through the window, as he still has his wristwatch set to South African time, and he is placed inside a dual-purpose sofa coffin. The scene then flash-forwards back to the graveyard, where Mike realizes it is half-past nine. The vampire then comes out of the coffin and reveals himself to be Harry the Bastard, an employee from Rumbelow's for whom they rented the video machine. Harry announces that their deadline for returning the machine has just elapsed and they now owe him 500 pounds in weight fees. Alexi Sale starred as a South African vampire slash driving instructor. Monty Python alumnus Terry Jones makes a cameo as a drunken vicar and comedy duo Hale and Pace appear as a pair of gravediggers that the lads tell their story to. Arnold Brown appears as the man in the opening scene playing chess against death. Don French and Helen Atkinson Wood appear in the pain reliever commercial set in hell. This episode features punk band The Damned performing Nasty, a song written especially for this episode. For myself, Viv. Uh, it's Rick and Neil I'm concerned for. What? Me? Ha! Rick? A virgin? Ha ha ha! Just try to go to some of the foxy chicks who owe me favours. <laughs> well, if Rick's not a virgin, then I'm not either. Well, we'll soon be able to find out, won't we? Because the vampire's gonna know. And if anybody gets attacked, then we'll know that they're a sissy virgin. <laughs> I hope snogging with SPG counts. <laughs> he's gonna get us, he's gonna turn us all into vampires, and we'll all be dead and yet still alive. Like Leonard Cohen. <laughs> he's bound to bite me first. I'm obviously the most succulent. Right. Mr. Vampire! Mr. Vampire! Look, don't bite me! I'm hoid! I'm covered in acne! Bite me, or you'll still be flavoured! <laughs> okay, guys, there's only one way out. We've all gotta lose our virginity. Now! But how, Mike? Oh, no! That's not Rick! That's not Viv! <laughs> That's not Neil. <laughs> OK, who's first? My God, what a choice! Quick! Out the window! <laughs> oh, no! I forgot about the time difference between here and Johannesburg! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Thank heavens for Habitat Sofa Coffees. <laughs> Time. Time is the 10th episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayall, and Lisa Mayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on June 5th, 1984. The episode begins with opening credits and setting which parodies the then-popular American television show Dallas. As the owner of a Texas oil company, Neil signs over oil wells and gives away money to the entire public. He is woken from this beautiful dream by Vivian, who angrily yells to the Sunday church bells outside to be quiet. Rick wakes up next to a young but unknown female, fully clothed in his bed. His initial shock and confusion is tempered by his realization that he can boast about a sexual conquest to the others. Neil wants details, which Rick barely manages to make up. When the woman reveals that she merely fell asleep in an empty bed, the others turn on Rick, with Vivian accusing him of still being a virgin. This argument escalates into an increasingly violent confrontation between Vivian and Rick, which spreads throughout the entire house. Meanwhile, the radio reveals Helen is an escaped murderess, so she plans to kill the four, beginning with Mike. The appearance of a medieval knight sends the front door crashing on top of Helen. This confuses the quartet, who soon discover the house has gone through a time warp. Neil is chased back to the house after being accused of sorcery, and, with Rick promising to have a t-shirt confirming his virginity printed, the four quickly panic about the time warp, asking what they are going to do, to which Vivian responds, Oh, who cares? Alexi Sale starred as a medieval jester and a cheese shop customer. Jennifer Saunders plays the murderous Helen Mucus, while Helen Letterer plays the female sidekick of the Jester Show, and Robbie Coltrane portrays a one-eyed pirate radio DJ, Captain Blood. Hale and Pace play peasants along with Paul Merton. Don French appears briefly as the Easter Bunny. The episode features a performance by pop reggae band Amazulu. Good morning, everybody! <laughs> seem to be able to get rid of this hangover. Well, that'll teach you to mix your drink. Excuse me, is this a cheese shop? No, sir. Well, that's about to get knackered then, isn't it? <laughs> I said that'll teach you to mix your drinks. I already know how to mix my drinks, Rick. Yeah, paint stripper and bleach. Lethal. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's a couple of strange girls in the bathroom. Yeah, I saw one of them. That's what I was going to tell you about earlier. That was the really freaky thing. Oh, don't worry about it, Neil. She probably got lost on the way to my room. I very much doubt it, actually, Mike. Because as a matter of interest, everybody, the girl in question is with me. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Easter eggs all round. Hello, everybody. I'm the Easter but it's June the 12th. What? It's the middle of summer, big ears. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. What, you mean you, like, like, scored with a cheek? <laughs> well, of course, I wouldn't put it in such sexist terms, Neil, but, uh, yes. 
Now, wait a minute, Rick. I'm the one who gets the girls round here. There could be a copyright problem. No, I don't understand. How? Was she unconscious? What, Vivian? Do I detect a little spark of jealousy? No, I'm not jealous. I find the idea of spending a night with you completely revolting. You know perfectly well what I mean. Just because I was the most raunchy and attractive guy at the party last night. What do you mean, Rick? You passed out after half a glass of cider. Did I? Blimey, that was a bit anarchic. Let me just go to show you, Neil. Even when I'm unconscious, I can pick up the birds. I mean, forge meaningful relationships with birds. Uh, chicks. Task. But women, women. <laughs> I must be hallucinating. What's a good thing for a hangover? Drinking heavily the night before. Sick. Sick is the 11th episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mayle, and Lee Smayer, and directed by Paul Jackson. It was first aired on BBC Two on June 12, 1984. All four flatmates are ill in bed. Vivian tries to ease the suffering with vodka, which he later uses to blow up Rick's bedroom in the form of a Molotov cocktail. Neil's sneezing fit prompts Vivian to take drastic action, involving extreme acupuncture using six-inch nails. Vivian also tries to get Neil to sneeze outside by pushing him through the bedroom window. Neil's mucus splatters all over a man's face who is standing in the street. The man reacts by throwing a brick towards the four's house, ends up smashing through the window of a neighboring house, which results in a street riot. Brian Damaged Belowski escapes from his police guard after they are called in to deal with the trouble and takes the quartet hostage. Neil reveals that his parents had arranged to come for tea within a few minutes. A major cleanup operation follows before Neil's parents knock at the door as a riot continues around them. Neil's parents complain that the show should be more appropriate, in the manner of a classic sitcom like The Good Life. Suddenly, the episode morphs into a good life plot involving the cultivation of plants in their backyard. Rick ends up supposedly killing Neil with his spade after he drones on too long about the cycle of plant life, and later buries him in a special grow-anything compost. This causes three Neils to appear from the soil. Taunted by his conscience for killing Neil while he slept in bed that night, Rick runs downstairs to the living room and tearfully wishes that he could see Neil again, and the three Neils come into the house, which spooks Rick. Just as Vivian and Mike join Rick, the back wall of the house opens up, and Neil's parents and Brian Damage head up a large staircase, milking the audience applause during the show's closing credits. Alexei Sales starred as escaped convict Brian Damage Belowski. Brian Olton and Peggy Thorpe Bates guest starred as Neil's parents. This episode features the song Our House, performed by Madness, the only band to appear on the show twice. Well, how come I'm all hot and sweaty then? Well, 
I think most of us would rather not go into that. <laughs> Will you two shut up? I'm trying to be ill. Oh, God. There's nothing left to wipe my nose on. <laughs> Even that's big juice all covered in snot. <laughs> too true. <laughs> <laughs> Tunnel vision. Stop shouting, Neil! Stop shouting yourself! I am not shouting! Yes, you are! I'm bloody well, I'm not! <laughs> if you want to hear shouting, matey, this is it! <laughs> it's funny, but being ill makes me lose my usual tolerant and easygoing approach to communal living. <laughs> Thanks, Viv. That petrol bomb's really cleared my sinuses. Why aren't you dead? I'm not prepared to discuss it with you, Vivian. You'll be hearing from my solicitors in the morning. I'm going to write to my MP. But you haven't got an MP, Rick. You're an anarchist. Ah, well, then I shall write to the lead singer of Echo and the Bunnymen. What's this? It's a fish, Mike. Oh, thanks. Summer Holiday. Summer Holiday is the twelfth and last episode of British sitcom The Young Ones. It was written by Ben Elton, Rick Mail, and Lise Mayer, and directed by Paul Jackson and Ed Bye. It was first aired on BBC Two on June 19, 1984. The quartet have taken their final exams and are enjoying the summertime, although Vivian is bored and begins to want violence and destruction. Neil reveals it is his birthday, much to the indifference of the others. The four decide to watch the television, but the channels are all closing down, infuriating Vivian who kicks the TV to pieces. Rick then learns of his parents' sudden death from Mike, who thought it unimportant to mention earlier. Jertsey Belowski arrives to check on the house and its belongings, but on discovering several destroyed items, including the television, Jertsey evicts them all out into the street. Mike then hatches a plan to rob a bank, using water pistols and Vivian's car as the getaway vehicle. They mess up their own robbery, but unwittingly take the proceeds from a separate one and escape to Vivian's car, which he promptly crashes into a lamppost. Inconsolable at wrecking his car, he also reveals that his hamster special patrol group has died as he was asleep on the radio. With the police sirens in the distance, Rick leaves to find a new getaway vehicle, and returns with a double-decker bus, which they drive away to freedom. As they sing songs and plan for their future, Rick suddenly shouts, Look out! Cliff! as the bus crashes into a Cliff Richard concert billboard, and then immediately plunges over a cliff on the other side. The bus lands at the bottom of a quarry, and there is a pause until the lads remark, Phew! That was close! which is followed by the bus exploding into flames as the show comes to an end. A postman is played by Lenny Henry, while Jules Holland portrays a bank customer, and Stephen Frost makes an appearance playing the bank manager. DJ Alan Freeman again plays God while sitting at a radio mixing desk. Okay, guys, I've got a plan. Now listen very carefully. You all got that? Yeah, yeah. We just go... Don't you think 
think that, like, you know, robbing a bank is, like, well, it's tantamount to, to stealing, really. <laughs> yeah, come on, let's do it. White Riot, stand down, Margaret. I'm a child of the recession, I got hate in my eyes. Ask for me tomorrow and I'll be gone because I'm on a one way ticket to oblivion and I'm going to raise hell getting there. Right, yeah. Well, let's get in there and do it. Yeah, yeah. What, you mean now? <laughs> I've got the stocks, Michael. What? You said we had to have stocks on our heads. Stockings! <laughs> our tights! Ugh. I'm not putting my head where some hide girlie's bottoms be. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Doesn't matter anyway. We don't need a disguise. This is a one-off job. All right, take these. Oh. Now, don't ask any questions. Just say I didn't get them at Tesco's, OK? I didn't get them at Tesco's. <laughs> now, for God's sake, don't go losing your heads and using them, that's all. Why not, Mike? Yeah, come on. Robin Hood, barter mine half. Those bank clerks didn't have to become bank clerks. They knew the risks when they took the job. Let's just get in there and let them have it. We can't do that, Rick. If we do that, there's a very slight chance that they'll discover these are water pistols. <laughs> oh, brilliant, Mike! Right, has everybody got their alibis? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Vivian? It was Rick! <laughs> it was Rick. Rick? It was me! What's your alibi, Mike? I don't need one, Neil. I'm the guy who phones the police. <laughs> OK, Viv, stay out here with the engine running. And remember, the getaway car is the most essential element in any robbery. Message received and understood! When Rick and I had had the idea, we, we went to Paul Jackson and said, we've had this idea and this is what it is. It's four students in a house. It's the character, it's the character of Rick and, you know, it's basically using the two double acts and Alexis Sale. And, we, you know, we didn't really tell him much about it before he sort of said, you know, I want to see what it looks like on paper. You know, I'll, I'll get you some money. Can you, can you write a pilot? We've got this idea for a sitcom. Would you, would you be interested? And I said, yeah, of course. And so he and Lisa Mayer uh, wrote uh, this sitcom called The Young Ones. Our big model was Forty Towers which seemed to us to succeed as a sitcom, not just because it was brilliantly written and very funny and had a great character, but because it didn't try and make its characters likeable. Oh, thanks a lot, Vivian! You know I'm a vegetarian! What I wanted was to, not to recreate, but to have the same kind of intense excitement that the Pythons have, where you're watching a screen and you just didn't know what was going to happen next. The characters in The Young Ones were based on... Um, real people that we'd known when we were students. Pollution. All around. That's what Vic is all about. This is trying to fit in with the groovy revolutionary front and failing badly. Sometimes up, sometimes down. There was a lot of stuff I was trying to sublimate in myself, sort of arsy behaviour, which kind of came out in, in, in real. I was always trying to stay cool and keep that twerk down. And the only way to live with that was to let him out. Rick and Lisa said to me one day, uh, look, would you mind if we brought another writer in? And I said, no, not at all, actually. I think you need one. Again, I was an inexperienced producer, otherwise I'd have put another writer in already by this point. They said, we've got this bloke we knew at university. He was a year below us at university, uh, but he's a prolific writer. He wrote about 18 or 20 plays and had them produced while he was at uni. Uh, and he's very good on structure. Ben came on board. We just, you know, rang him up and went, oh, our friend Ben's doing it as well. And he went, OK, fine, whatever. And um, introduced me to Ben. And I said, yeah, absolutely, if you guys like him and you think he can help. And he undoubtedly did help. I mean, the moment Ben had input, I don't think we'd ever have got 12 written 
just with Rick and Lisa. But he, he was not the writer. It was very much a three-handed writing. They all brought different lights and shades. It was, it's quite difficult to identify who brought what, to be honest. But working as a threesome, they worked very well together. The original idea was Pete Richardson should play what was to become Mike, and he was a, Pete was, was and is a sort of strangely cool guy. What happened subsequently was that Peter Richardson and Paul Jackson had some kind of major falling out. This is actually very serious! <laughs> so we then had a fourth character with no one to play him, um, which is why we ended up casting Chris Ryan. Um, with Mike. I know what you're thinking, baby, and if I was to tell you, you'd think I was talking in centimetres. All right, somebody call a taxi! They asked me to be in it, really, because I'd been the kind of... I think just because I... I think just they were frightened of me, really. <laughs> but I think I told them that I didn't want to get stuck as a kind of character or some crap like that. So I just used to leave a hole in the script, really, and I'd fill it during the air, so it's more or less what that to me after some, some crap that I'd made up. We didn't consciously think, let's put in extreme violence. I think it was just what made us laugh were, you know, people getting hurt, people hurting other people, people doing embarrassing things. So that's what we concentrated on. It was just, um, yeah, just a sort of infantile and warped sense of humour. Well, I think in terms of, of uh, Rick and Aid's act, which is the slapstick act, um, they always need a victim to hit over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> Yes, he's a victim, but actually there's a lot of uh, bottled-up aggression in there too, and so anything, anything where Neil sort of threw a tantrum or suddenly became worked up about something, I find very funny, because it's so ineffective and useless. Well, I'm not into violence, Rick, but I'm really good special faces! <laughs> there was a sort of order to the chaos, obviously, otherwise people would have started getting hurt. You can't make a show that appears as wild and anarchic as that while being wild and anarchic. You know, it's a, it doesn't work like that. There were the odd accidents. But um, legally, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about that. <laughs> I don't think any, any, no one got killed or went to hospital or lost limbs. And, um, you know, there were the odd... Um, cuts and bruises and damage to property but apart from that it all went pretty well even when we threw a bus over a cliff the violence in the young ones is um is very much cartoon violence they never bled or had a bruise and and even when um vivian's head was severed from his body and pumped blood from you know for a bit which was probably the you know the most gruesome thing we did it wasn't upsetting violence we had a we had an intellectual debate about tom and jerry cartoon violence it's not real chops off his finger it's back the next frame but it was we had all this argument prepared it was barely debated all that cartoon violence actually kind of works because in cartoons people get smashed to pieces and then four seconds later they're all right again and there was a level of that going on a lot in the young ones i mean well, obviously, otherwise they'd all be dead. We were quite surprised um, by the reaction when it first went out because we'd somehow imagined that the um, the audience would be people like us. They'd you know be people in in their early twenties or you know between sort of you know eighteen and thirty. And actually, our big fan bases were were school children, quite young school children, whose parents would quite often write us irate letters. The end of the series was not the last appearance of the young ones. 
For the British charity television appeal Comic Relief, the four recorded a song and video for Cliff Richard's Living Doll, accompanied by Richard and Shadows guitarist Hank B. Marvin. Hey, kids! It doesn't matter what you are! Punks, skins, rastas, mods, rockers, Keith Tegrin even! Everybody everywhere! Stop snogging and pay attention to me! Cause if you're a wild-eyed loner at the gates of oblivion, then hitch a ride with us! Cause we're riding on the last freedom moped out of nowhere! And we haven't even told our parents what time we're coming home! So, pull on your dancing trousers and get down to the total and utter king of rock and roll, Cliff Richard! Got myself a crying dog and sleeping dog and living dog. Got to do my best to please her just cause she's a living dog. Got a ruling eye and that is why she satisfies my soul. I got the one and only talking, talking, living dog. Okay, guys, ready, big? Completely ready when you are, Shaky! Do you want Does anybody know where the toilets are? Mike? Look, there's all this money really have to go to charity. Is it past Michael? Hi, Cliff, it's me! Who are you? Oh, great joke, your majesty. Got myself a crying dog and sleeping dog and living dog. <laughs> Yes, I'm Rick. Well, I feel sorry for the elephant.
Thanks, Cliff. Right, listen, kids. If you don't buy this record, then you're all utter, 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 utter. At the 1986 comic relief stage shows, the Young Ones performed Living Doll Live, following a short skit which involved Rick doing a comic song about showing his underwear and bodily parts, before being ejected from the group by Mike, and Vivian supposedly having backstage sex with Kate Bush with Neil as his contraceptive. Oh, hi, Mike. I was just telling everyone how fantastic you were. Listen, why don't you and I do the single now? Just get down on top of it and be funky! Oh, that's a bit rude, doesn't it? <laughs> it's about the song I've got to talk to you about. Yes, that. yes. Now, this isn't easy for me, Rick. Yes. In fact, it's very, very hard. And I'm not talking about my... Oh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Remember, Cliff's in the building. We don't want anyone saying penis. <laughs> we don't want you in the song anymore. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I simply said we don't want you yes, in yes, the Yes, 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 but why? Because you're total and utter crap! <laughs> oh, yes, Vivian, very brave of you to shout insults from the dark. What are you doing, playing a girly game of sardines? Trying to get a snog off Kate Bush? <laughs> oh, sorry, Kate, I was just hiding in the cupboard and my hand accidentally went up your frock and into your necks. Is that it? I bet it is, you little pervy. It bloody hell it is. <sighs> Vivian, that's not Kate Bush, that's Neil, and you know it. Kate Bush is underneath, Michael. I'm using Neil as a contraceptive. <laughs> well, whatever it is you're doing, just stop it now and come out here and insult me like a man, you big girl, eh? You asked for it. Exactly done, Vivian. Thank you, Michael. I'll go and find Cliff. Okay, okay. Back in the tickle, Katie, baby. <laughs> I just gotta do this number one song with Shaky Stevens. Right. Good evening, bastards. <laughs> this is my number one hit. Ha ha! And this is my number one song. <laughs> some really heavy news about Cliff that's going to completely blow your mind. What's that smell? <laughs> Neil, go, go away! Don't patronise me, you bastards. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, let's all sit in rows and ruin Neil's evening. What's the message, Neil? Oh, yeah, the message about Cliff, right? Um, like, Cliff's blown out the gig. What? You mean he's farted? <laughs> no, 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 Cliff can't come. Why? He's doing time. They put him in prison for farting! Right on! Who's going to do the show? Oh, that's all right. I booked John Craven instead. John Craven! Fantastic! Yeah. Come on! Now, do you want to hear a great new joke? Oh, yeah, okay. Rick, I'll get out of the way if you don't want to get seriously hurt. Right. What'd you say to a stupid hippie who's standing on a pile of dynamite? 
I don't know. What do you say to a stupid hippie who's standing on a pile of dynamite? Get this bastard! On one occasion, Edmondson, Mail, and Planer, as their young ones characters, did a parody of the song "My Generation" by the Who. The Young Ones were the sex pistols of comedy. They brought anarchy into a medium that was bloated and impotent. For a generation desperate for change, the Young Ones became heroes. Bottom and absolutely fabulous kept their spirit alive for the next generation, but they could never equal the brilliant flashpoint of those two series. I have been obsessed with them for years. Thank you for listening to Eclectic Obsessions. If you like what you've heard, please download past episodes and subscribe on iTunes for future releases. You can follow the show on Facebook at Eclectic Obsessions, on Twitter at Eclectic Obsess One, on Instagram at Eclectic Obsessions Podcast, and on YouTube at Eclectic Obsessions. I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to email the show at ecobpod at gmail.com. We'll be back in one month's time with a new eclectic obsession. Hail and pace play peasants. Hail and paste play. Hail and paste play. That's tough. Hail and paste play peasants along with. Hail and paste play.
hail and place.